Would Steve Rogers really have had time to say Avengers <laughs> Assemble before running at Thanos? I don't care. It's badass as fuck. <laughs> Welcome to an Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast set in a dystopian future populated by robots singing songs you don't quite understand. I'm Ian Whittington, and what can you do? It's Sean Ferrick! Uh, my microphone maxed out on that one, so I don't actually know what you said, but I respect your right to say it. <laughs> nice! Wait, let me just have a look at Yeah, no. My, my, my computer didn't like it either. <laughs> oh no. Uh, so to everyone listening, I really hope you enjoyed that. You have, you, man, you've either left immediately, it's burst your speakers, or you're having a great time. How are you, Sean? <laughs> I'm not talking for the rest of the pod, that broke me. Exactly, not too bad at all. You, you just relax those beautiful pipes there, mm-hmm. and I am good, thank you very much, I am good. Uh, I am a little bit emotional, uh, oh, but we'll yeah, get to I'm that so when sorry. we're discussing the film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I broke Sean. I actually, so... Well, we'll get to that in the in the main body of the episode. Um, we got a lot to get through, so let's hit the record news. <laughs> to the record news. News team, assemble. I have two bits of news, Sean. Go for it. Have cool. you seen what the is your second bit of news? Shit. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Final Destination Six is happening. Oh. Okay. Oh, that's uh, an interesting reaction. Um, <laughs> You're really surprised by this, as I, am I. I found out this morning. I'm a little bit. I mean, like, I suppose it's a slasher-ish genre, so it goes <laughs> on and on and on. But I, I suppose, like, five. Have you seen Final Destination 1 seen to 5? I've seen all of them, at least Man, twice. Well, Final Destination 5, it it's not an amazing film, but it no. does a very nice bookend. It does. Of the series. I thought, finishes it. leave it there. But, mm-hmm. hey, look, it's Hollywood. So, I mean, really, you should leave it with the Final Destination, but no. Oh, in a bit like The Final Nightmare, Freddy's Dead, followed yeah. by Freddy Lives. Exactly, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, one of those. Halloween ends, Halloween will return. I, oh, honestly, Halloween. at the end of Halloween ends, I absolutely expect like a James Bond will return. Like Mike Myers, Michael Myers will return. <laughs> like, what? Like you know, kind of, like you know, kind of like you just hear there. He didn't get blown up at the end, man. And yes, so rumors have been going around about Final Destination 6 and that it'll be a reboot. They'll just start from scratch. They won't acknowledge anything else that's happened. But... Oh, I bet you're... it's going to be called Final Destination. No, it's not. So it, it is going to... At, well, at the minute, it's still called Final... It's called Final De- Destination 6. It acknowledges the other films. The plot continues to plod along. Death does its windy thing. And it's going to be produced and a treatment has been written by John Watts. Okay, I've literally just... I'm just this second seeing that mm-hmm. now. That makes me not hate it. Well, I... So Spider-Man No Way Home is great, and this is going to get buzzed because of it, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do a great Final Destination film. But I Also, mean, he's only producing. <clears throat> he's only producing. He's written a treatment. Other people are writing the actual script, and someone else entirely is directing it. But we'll see. I really guiltily enjoy the final destination films because i like the concept i it's just a bit of popcorn film um it's a bit of fun it's quite harmless um it's interesting if they do like a really meta thing like every bloody horror film seems to feel the need to do nowadays um and kind of acknowledges itself um i'm gonna dig up my old theory which was if i was gonna write a final destination film that you always need a balance in the universe so whereas death is like this wind that's blowing through the world and trying to kill people that life is also an entity and is represented by light and so as much as like the wind will blow things and make things fall over the light might shine in someone's eye and then they dodge it at the last second and it's not about the humans it's about wind and light life and death fighting each other for humanity That's I what mean, I would write. <laughs> it's less ridiculous than some of the sequels. Yes, so, it is. Yeah, less ridiculous I, I mean, than actually, that fucking escalator. No. Oh, but the that escalator, escalator was, was cool. Oh, now, like, there's, there's so 
we could do a whole episode on Final Destination. I'm I'm interested. I I, this is not a film I was asking for. No, I will watch it. Yes, agreed. Same here. I'd be happy if they never made another one, but I'll still watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next bit of news I'm not happy about, but hey, movies happen. Did you ever watch the raid? I didn't. I am told by everyone who's ever watched it that it's fantastic. It's excellent. Both of them are great. Really good films. Who's remaking it? Michael Bay. (sighs) Get to the recommends? Yeah. (sighs) The movie might be okay, but Michael Bay, leave it the fuck alone. It's stop remaking films that are already good. Is he directing it or is he, is it the Platinum Dunes producer? The one that did all of the Texas Chainsaw, Friday the 13th, Nightmare? I actually don't know. I don't know. It's enough that his name is attached to it and he's decided, hey, this movie's great. Let's... The problem, remake a bad movie, like a movie that has a great concept that screwed it on the landing. Don't remake a film that's already nailed it just because it has yeah. subtitles. Well, that's that's obviously such an issue with, uh, I won't spend too long on this because again, we could do a whole episode on this. Uh, a lot of Asian cinema gets remade for American <clears throat> audiences and sometimes yeah. it's amazing. The mm-hmm. Ring is a oh, solid is. Yes. film remake. It. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. But then you have so many others that just... The Grudge, the for example. I wanted yeah. The Grudge to be good, and it was boring. And a horror film should never be boring. So boring. So yeah. dull. They gave Sarah Michelle Gellar yeah, nothing yeah, to do. Dead, right. I, was, I was about to correct myself with Sarah Jessica Parker. I was like, that may have been, that would be a, very different a more film. interesting Grudge film. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, so... But I'm sorry, Michael Bay's catalogue does not fill me with confidence. No. Like for every, I unashamedly, I love the first Transformers film. I love it. It is mm. silly. It knows exactly what it is, mm-hmm. and it delivers on its premise. Yeah. Literally, all of the rest of them are just I garbage. No, yeah. I was not enough time to watch a 19-hour film. Yes, that is the other problem. That yeah. is so unimpactful like you're not going to come away questioning reality after the end of that you'll question your reality of the last two hours but not anything profound it, yeah it's yeah. annoying so it's I, annoying. I, I i suspect our reactions will not age badly to this news no it won't at all it's gonna be well it could be good it won't be um so moving swiftly to the recommends to happiness go first shawnee um okay so i i gave you a little heads up ahead of me doing this recommend that yes so i'm recommending jordan peele's 2017 film get out this week which thankfully a metric ton of people have seen yes uh, it was absolutely it was a huge success at the box office um it was called in so i'm doing a lot of research on it at the moment for you're on crack mate because that's my my big essay of the moment and I saw a reviewer calling it the first great movie of the Trump era. And it's Wait, so... What? No, no, no. It's so accurate. Oh, do you mean as a commentary on Trump? Got it. Yeah. Correct. I thought that's a weird way to phrase that otherwise. It's, it's yeah, it's excellent. There's so much that has aged so well. In the short space of time, it's only been five years, but in the short space of time since the film came out, it's aged very well. Yeah. Man, five years. I know. Jesus. I know, right? Well, think about it. We had us since then. Yeah. I thought you meant me and you. <laughs> well, literally. <laughs> and we also have Nope is coming out this year. That's yeah. the new one. Uh, so it is... Uh, like, if you've seen it, I don't need to sell it to you. And if you haven't seen it, just be prepared for what is both quite a funny and an incredibly grim watch. If oh, you have sure. done even a glance at the news media ever really but particularly of the last three years coming out in america um you will see again why this film has aged so well and yeah so i will be dropping that pod neck with oh sorry it should be available right now as to when this episode comes out Amazing. Uh, but do yourself a favor watch or re-watch get out it's excellent now 
Okay, Ian, what do you have for us? Love it. Um, I, um, holy shit, what was I going to do? Yes, that was it. I have a TV show to recommend. Um, if you're listening in America, you've most likely watched this show. I don't think it's quite as big over here because it's difficult to get hold of, but Yellow Jackets. I've um, not even heard of it. What is I'm it? I'm not surprised. So it's on, so well, in England, it would be on Sky. So if you've got a Now TV subscription, it'll be, um, it'll be on that. Or if you've got a, Sky package, whatever. Otherwise, in America, it's on. I think it's on HBO, something like that. That would that would fit because Now TV does a lot of the HBO stuff. Exactly. So, yeah. I don't know where it's going to be in in Ireland, to be honest. Um, but it is the new Lost, basically. But it sounds like they have a plan. So they the creators pitched this as it's a five season arc. We know what it's going to end. Now, the reason <clears throat> the reason they probably had to do that was because the bulk of the story is based around being trapped after a plane crash. Now, they're not on an island, but they're remote enough that it may as well be an island. Um, okay. And so I think they had to go in with so many caveats of, we promise we know what we're doing. We promise they're not all dead already. We but promise- what is the smoke monster? <laughs> well, exactly. We, we know ev- everything that's going on. And I actually believe them. So the show follows a group uh it's a female football team um that's at high school and they're i think they're they're all 16 17 ish um plane crashes surprise that happens in the first episode it's it's what happens in the first like it's mentioned in the first five minutes so that's not this that's not a spoiler but the show itself is split between 1996 which is when the crash happens okay and 2021 in the present day when reliving their lives as they've been rescued, escaped, however they got off. Okay. Now, some characters... Now, that doesn't mean we know who survives because we're only following a few people. We don't know where other people are, whether they're dead, in hiding, in Australia. (laughs) Just (laughs) the the three worst things that could happen to you. (laughs) Oh, are you trying... (laughs) To get us to lose listeners, Sorry, is that well, lose it? The, lose the two that we have. Honestly, are two Australian listeners, please send an email in. I want to talk a- to you. Excuse me. You are both valued. Both oh, we of love you. you both. Please, yeah. please email us. Um, yeah, so, the, but the show is great. Like, the, the stuff that's actually in 2021 is just as captivating and as interesting as the stuff that's on the stranded place in 1996. Um, it is bloody. It is gory. Shit happens but I love it. I am hooked. I have conspiracy theories. The entire internet has conspiracy theories. If you're missing that lost thing, watch this. It's great. It's so, so good. And how far into it is it? Season one, season two, season three? So season one it has season one has just finished. The finale was in America on Monday. Yeah, Monday. And then we get it a day later. So eight episodes... Eight or nine episodes. I think it's nine episodes. Yeah, nine episodes. Season one's just finished. It is coming back for season two. Binge it. It's beautiful. I love it. All right. Nope. Sounds good. Excellent. Um, let's talk about another horror film. Tick, tick, boop. It's not a horror film. It is It is. Not, it is film. if you don't like musicals. No. Even if you don't like musicals, watch this film. It's still fucking great. I don't like musicals, although I'm beginning to like musicals. This is that's the only sign of me getting older that I can put my finger on. It's 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 not nothing. It's not the grey hair. It's nothing. It is. I like musicals now, and it's a good because um, obviously we tried to force you ourselves and Albie tried to force you into liking musicals. It's really something you kind of need to come to on your own. Totally agree, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't. There is. Somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody got really, an actor got really mad at people saying, I don't like musicals. And they were like saying, well, that's like saying you don't like action films because there may be some musicals that you don't like, but there's just as much variety inside the musical genre as there is anywhere else. Like, of course. how can you say that you don't like musicals if you haven't seen the, the breadth from Greece to Hamilton? Like, there's something in between there that you're going, that you're probably going to enjoy. Exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah Especially I, I take the it movie back. musical has well, good, but yeah, but like, I mean, I'm glad that you have seen the error of your ways, but mm-hmm. also it takes finding one that you like or finding a style that you like because mm-hmm. cinema musicals have gone through such a change mm-hmm. to the point where we're now getting remakes 
which I think is great because as, <laughs> yeah. as we record this, West Side Story is, unfortunately, it's not doing very well at the box office, but that, I think, is more down to COVID than anything because uh, yeah. the reviews are really quite positive for mm-hmm. it. It has, funny, it being a remake of a much older story, which itself is a retelling of Romeo and Juliet, let's mm-hmm. not lie here. Yeah. Um, there are the issues with the stereo. Now we're not, that's going to be tangentially brought into this episode because yeah. Stephen Sondheim <clears throat> plays a role in both yes. West Side Story and yeah. Tick, Tick, Boom. Which is funny. Um, but, but there you go. It's got, like that film had everything going for it. It had Steven Spielberg. It had a, a strong cast. It's got great music and it's not getting the audience that it deserves in the way that the movie musical was really mm. starting to peter off. For yeah. quite a while, like even the two thousands are mixed, yeah. Because when you think movie musical now, whereas we might think things like Hamilton, we might think things like, well, I suppose Rent obviously will tie into this, but a lot of people will go, no, the MGM musicals of days gone by. Oh yeah, it'll be in the, the rain, big, the big ones. exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what they might think of, and you, it would be as fair to say they've had their day as it is to say they need to come back and. There's a place film, for them, yeah. Like, yeah. La La Land is probably close to that kind of style and rightfully won an Oscar, or yeah. wrongfully, depending on your point of view. But well, that's true, it yeah. still seems like a risk, doesn't it, to get bums in seats for a musical? Yeah, it is hard. And because by any film requires a lot of effort and time, it is so that's not to say that, you know, oh, well, you require so much effort and time for musicals. Any film does. But... It feels as though more effort and time uh-huh. go into musicals, whether that's a fair statement or not, so that when a musical doesn't do as well, I don't know, it feels almost like it hurts more. It does, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. So, this, so Tick, Tick, Boom. I've, we've just done a little rant on musicals in general. Um, <laughs> but Tick, Tick, Boom follows um, the famous Jonathan um, Larson. Um, and if he's not famous to you, he did rent. Um, that was if you, if you you should have at least heard of Rent, even if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, hugely, hugely popular stage show and movie. Um, and yeah, it follows basically a week in his life. So this is the 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 week to ten days leading up to his thirtieth birthday. Um, this is before he's. This is two screenplays before Rent. So he's been working on his big work in progress. Um, soup sub. Oh, damn it. Superbtopia. Superbia. Superbia. There we go. Superbtopia. And he has basically a screening of it in front of the big producers of the West End to try and get somebody to buy it. Um, Yeah, and it follows his struggle to... Go on. I'm smiling because of two things. Uh One, you are such a film lover, which is really, really cool. Screenplay and screening. Did I say screenplay? Oh, you said shit. screenplay yes. and screening, which I think is hilarious, and it's fine. Totally understand. And also, you are so English. He wasn't on the West End. Oh, he's in the well. I fucked everything <laughs> up. No. I love that though because, oh, in a way, like all these things, they do tie in together. Not in that's this so film, funny. ironically, but in the greater uh, world, these things all do tie in that's together. That's so funny. Right. I'm, yeah. not, I'm gonna leave that in, but I will. I will roll it back. So. This is him writing the, uh, pl- damn it, writing his musical, the screen, the not screenplay, the, the play thing, the play. He's writing the play and he's going to put it in front of a load of people that come from um, Broadway. And hopefully it's going to go onto Broadway and somebody will buy it. And it's about him balancing friendships and being creative and being a torture genius. Um, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And we yeah. love it. Uh, I totally agree. Well done. Andrew well Garfield done. sings. Uh, Andrew Garfield, yeah. So there is, in a nutshell, uh, like you're totally right in everything you said. To boil it down even more simply, this film was about the creative process and how challenging that could it be. It is, absolutely, yeah. And that's a hard sell. Mm. Like, how do you turn around and say, I want you to invest millions of dollars in my my little movie about the creative process? They'll be like... Yeah, which uh, is huh. about a person saying... Hey, would you like to invest millions of exactly. dollars into my little? Can we just film this show? conversation uh-huh. and put that on stage, on screen, whatever? Yeah. Um, so that's basically why Lin Manuel Miranda picked it up. He saw the stage show and he was just like, "Yeah, this speaks to me. Let's make a movie out of it." Absolutely, and and he does so. Leading with him, right? So this is very much a screen 
adaptation. So Tick, Tick, Boom is a show, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it's a, yeah. it's a, a three-hander. It's been, it, it has been edited since, but when it was released, it was released to be played by, it was actually written to be done as a monologue by Jonathan Larson. Yeah. But then it was kind of reworked into a three-hander that could be done in a black box theater with absolutely no <clears throat> budget, but also no <laughs> set, not worrying yeah. about that. It's just telling the story. And what, Lin-Manuel Miranda does is that he takes that and he makes a bit of a bookend out of it and you have Mm -hmm. scenes that are intercut where you cut back to it's Jonathan Larson at a piano with his two friends and the band telling the story doing the monologue yeah and I think that for a film I think that helps because a lot of people will go into this having seen Rent and would know just enough about Larson to be like okay and then a lot of people mm-hmm. won't, because Rent is not in the zeitgeist at the moment. No. You know? As um, much as it should be forever and always, because it's amazing. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. But yeah, so it's it's not necessary, or not necessarily something that people will know, which again is interesting, because so much of Rent is in this yes. without it being said. <clears throat> so much of it. There's so many little nods and you can see you can see exactly how this inspired um Rent, to be completely honest. So Superbia didn't really go anywhere and Tick Tick Boom was what he made after that, which was the making of Superbia, essentially, and the story that we're watching now. And then after Tick Tick Boom is Rent. Um so yeah, that's kind of where it sits in the timeline because you might think, well, why aren't we watching the making of Rent? And for me, I think this is... I love that they went this direction with it. Um, it's its its so much more tragic because you're watching him at the beginning of his career where he could... There's a fork in the road and it's like, do I give up on this and follow my best friend who's gone into marketing? And they've, they've both come to New York for the same reason, but... Um, his friend Michael has gone straight into marketing because he's fed up with the rejection and he actually wants a life and he doesn't want to live in a bunker for the rest of his life. But um, Jonathan is just happy to continue until he's 30 and plug away at it for eight years and hope that eventually he gets it. He Somebody picks him up and he's just going to keep going regardless. It is. There's a, a quote from a, a good friend of mine. Um, hello, David Farrington, if you're listening. And he says that he went to a performing arts high school and his teachers basically day one said, if you can't handle, I'm paraphrasing, but if you can't handle the absolute brain kicking you're going to get every single day of your life, if you choose to go into this profession, you need to get out of this profession. It is as simple as that. And one thing, one thing you can say without any question is that Andrew Garfield plays Larson as so single-mindedly passionate about mm-hmm. what he does that I I believe I believe this guy is dumpster diving for playbills I believe yeah. that he is ringing doorbells I believe that he is ringing every producer in New York to go listen I need to get you on the last seat for this viewing yeah which he made his first phone call and by the time he got to his hundredth phone call he really meant it mm-hmm. you know um and I I believe that a lot and I it's just it's just a part of it there's so much to say about so many parts of this, um, but I want to I want to go almost to the end for a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but the reviewer Jackson McHenry, uh, writing for Variety, he he hit the nail on the head because this there there is a problem with this film is that it spends a lot of time because of literally using documentary footage as well. And we both did it. Uh, your first line was, if you don't know him, he did Rent. Mm-hmm. And I did it as well, going, there's so much of Rent in this, that this film goes, tick, tick, boom. So you know Rent. Yeah, it does. And this film does mm. that. It uh, does. And, but what it doesn't do is offer a balance. And I will explain that. Mm-hmm. Please so do. There is the story of Jonathan Larson, as told in this film, tangentially interacts with the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you know Rent, you know, obviously, I know you know Rent, but, you know, mm-hmm. if you know Rent, it is about how the AIDS epidemic interacts with the lives of bohemian artists in yeah. Manhattan in the late 80s, early 90s. This film, and this is the harshest thing I will say about it, it's, 
I really hope Johnny does well. Oh, AIDS is bad, isn't it? I really hope Johnny does well. Mm. And that is, it's the harshest thing I'll say about the film. I do think it's fair. Mm. Um, I feel that the inclusion of some of the AIDS-related storylines in Tick, Tick, Boom, the Lin-Manuel Miranda film mm. <clears throat> were because it wanted to keep reminding us that he's written Rent. Perhaps. Um, I think it does. I agree that it stands out like a sore thumb. So Johnny puts on his show to all of the producers um, and it feels like that's where the film could end, to be honest. And then it moves into the reveal, no spoilers, but somebody close to Johnny um, is HIV positive. And then the film focuses on that really intently for 20, 25 minutes and then has another resolution after that of such. So I get it. It isn't interweaved very well. I don't object to its inclusion because it's it happened like it's part of that period of his of his life and I really enjoy that part of the film because the song is fantastic the 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 actor that plays the character without spoilers does a fantastic job of it as well I'm not convinced it was meant to be a hey look at rent thing but it definitely feels that way because that that is what rent is about. So why include it if you're not going to do that? But yeah, I'm I'm definitely mixed on it. It sticks out in terms of the rest of the film. Um, it it does because the focus is look how hard it is to be creative and look how hard it is to write things when there's this much bigger bigger life changing problem that it also wants to attempt to address. So it does have a mixed message, definitely. It does a bit and. It- to credit Larson, Rent, what I think does really, really well is that it is all about living. That's mm. the big, it's, yes. not, it's not a twist, but that is the message behind Rent is that it's not dying of AIDS. It's mm. living with a ticking clock over you. Yeah. Um, and to the credit, so I, I sound like I come across really hard. To the credit of this film, one thing it does very, very well is the inclusion of the ticking clock. Now, so it's actually, this is not a spoiler. The film opens with... The dedication that was given by Anthony Rapp mm. to Jonathan Larson, who yeah. died the morning of the first preview unreal. of Rent. It's, unreal. And, you know, so you know that going into the film, that he's yeah. talking about what it means to turn 30. Jonathan Larson died age 35. Yeah, which is unreal. Unreal. And this is, so my, my final word for the moment on this, and again, I'm... I'm borrowing this from, again, this fantastic uh, review that was given by Jackson McHenry, was that at its weakest parts, this film takes the AIDS epidemic that was destroying so much of so many different communities, views it through the lens of a straight white man who is not HIV positive, mm-hmm. and it becomes a tiny bit of a, yeah, rent <clears throat> is coming. Little and bit. that is that's yeah. the harshest I would be I about it. It. And, and and it like but 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 as I was, I was texting you all the way through watching this film going like, I'm loving this film I'm so crying good. watching this film <laughs> it is not a bad film it is that is something that cannot be ignored in this film but it is not a bad film or a bad piece of entertainment yeah and there we are yeah no I agree I I think it's where it's put in the film feels very odd and i'd love to talk to i mean there's probably interviews about it i'd love to talk to lin manuel Manuel miranda about it and what was the logic and what was the the structure behind that um because there's a lot of artistic license because you're adapting a monologue into we're gonna take the bits of the monologue and then reenact it to make it a bit easier to to make it watchable as a film because no one's going to watch a monologue (laughs) at the cinema it's a very, I mean, it's a hard sell. It um, is a hard sell. It is. So, Andrew Garfield, my goodness, he is incredible. Somebody, I saw somebody on Twitter say, I didn't realise I needed Andrew Garfield singing in my life, and now it's the only thing I need in my life. He's yeah. so good, and he's so earnest, and I, just, I believe that you. The, the problem with casting massively recognisable people to play other people that actually existed is well that's Andrew Garfield that's not Jonathan Larson Mm. but I just believe that he is this creative person struggling to have his big break and have his girlfriend and to keep his friends and to not alienate everybody um 
and he can sing on top of it, and he's just so flamboyant, and oh, it's such a great performance. I, I saw a great description that says, he exudes energy as though he's got nerve endings all the way to the end of his little curls. Yeah, he's just twitching all over the yeah. place and can't stop. I, um, it's brilliant. He's so, so brings so much energy yeah. to the screen, and in every moment, even on the moments where things are really challenging for him, and, you know, he's been... There's a couple of times where, you know, reality takes a running jump at his face. Yeah. And and he still brings that energy. It just becomes this simmering mm-hmm. energy as opposed to... There are moments where he's manic. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I will say, like I was doing the reading, I don't know if Larson uh, was manic in, say, the diagnosed mm-hmm. term of phrase. Uh, so basically, so Garfield definitely presents him as... Um, and I think it works. It absolutely works in terms of this film because mm-hmm. it's two hours and it's punchy. Yeah, it? because, I don't notice the two hours. Yeah. I really don't because, like, I'm just I'm watching Andrew Garfield the entire time. And, like, the supporting cast is fantastic as well, but he yes, just the is the front man. He's so, so good. Um, and the man can cry whenever he wants. He can. I have to say as well, so heads up to all of our theatre friends out there <laughs> i will be discussing spoil because apparently netflix have gent have asked reviewers not to give away some okay. of the cameos uh-huh um, yeah i am going to do that because i can't not but this is your heads up okay i so, think the film's been out long enough now i think so yeah. i think so yeah, if you like haven't it's... seen it by now you're probably not a huge musical theater person <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, recent convert. Okay, all right, yeah. No, yeah. Not, not including me no, in no, that no, crowd. Sorry. They're not fr- they're not fans like me. Like they're not fans if like. If I've me. seen it, then I guarantee most people that would be interested will have also seen it. <laughs> uh, I think there is. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm not going to say it right now, but yeah, right. So first of all, I just want to talk about before the movie was made. So the uh, the main, I think the main kind of cast of the film: Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Ship, and Robin De Jesus. They're the three. They're the main three. So that's. Mm. Uh, Jonathan, Susan, and Michael. Yeah. Um, then you have MJ Rodriguez, who mm-hmm. is uh, his friend of the diner. Uh, first openly trans woman to be a Golden Globe winner. Nice. As of two days mm. ago, which we are delighted about. And Bradley Whitford, who mm. plays Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim. He nails it. I love uh, him so much. Very, very good. Very, very good. Now, before the film was made, so this has had more, oh, so many different productions over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the names that have been attached in various roles are Neil Patrick Harris, Wilson Cruz, Molly Ringwald, Lynn manuel Miranda, Amazing. and Leslie Odom Jr., who, of course, starred in Hamilton. Oh, interesting. Cool. So you you can see, well, particularly, obviously, those last two names, mm. you can see, like, you know, kind of, hey, maybe we want to we wanna maybe do a, do a thing. Yeah, should we do a maybe, thing Maybe this? we do a maybe, thing. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was... Um, the show it could have gone into it could have gone into a little bit of obscurity mm. because it was one of those ones that opened kind of off off Broadway. Yeah, off off off. It's pretty uh, niche, which is which it's true. It's true for a lot of shows. Like we we always assume that you know kind of the Phantoms and the Wicked's yeah. of the world, which dominates everything all the time. Um, Rent opened off yeah. off Broadway. You know things like this, and then became one of it's. I think it's the eighth longest running show of all time. Mm on Broadway. Um, it was spotted by a producer called Jeffrey Seller. He he saw a production of Tick, Tick, Boom, right? And he convinced his fellow producers to go, that deserves a place on Broadway. Um, this guy, because we live an awful lot in the movie business, <laughs> notions, Sean, notions, but because <laughs> we notions. live an awful lot on that, we, yeah. we might not know some of, like, for example, the team behind this film, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, produced by Ron Howard, Brian Grazer and Julio, like, mm-hmm. Grant, okay, yeah, I have heard their names particularly a lot of the times. Might not necessarily know Jeffrey Seller so much. He produced three best musical Tonya-winning shows, Rent, Avenue Q, and In the Heights. He Man knows, knows what shit. he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also was... This is just a cool thing, again, for... This will affect you uh, it, when I believe there is a trip to Manhattan coming. There is indeed. He, and his business partner invented the $20 rush policy for tickets that if you get down there early enough in the morning, you'll get a ticket, you know, first oh, cool. come, first serve. They, they, they were doing that. They hold off. Now that's 
standard procedure. Like there will always be, there's different versions now. There's, uh, you know, there's lotteries. There's, mm-hmm. there is people camping overnight to get tickets because tickets can go stupidly expensive. These are $20 <laughs> tickets. If you get them, mm-hmm. you know, you can go and see, again, I'll use, well, let me use Wicked as the example, which yeah. is a massive, what am I talking about? Let me use Hamilton as the yeah. example. Like I've seen tickets go for $700 for that. It's crazy. For clarity, are- that is not what I'm doing. I'm not risking a flight to New York on the off chance <laughs> of getting a $20 ticket. Uh, no, 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 no. We You're going over now to try and get a show in July. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah. Th- there was a great quote just about that. Kind of the last thing I'll say is that he and his business partner helped to make rent available for the people rent was written about. Uh, it's genius. Yeah. It's so, you know. it's baffling, isn't it? Yeah. It's so true. No, it is. This, the story that this is meant for, And then maybe it's not meant... It's about those people, but it's about educating as well, isn't it? So maybe the people that do have all of the money sh- should be the ones to see this story, but it's nice for the people it's actually about to be able to appreciate it as well. Yeah. I, it's a cruel I totally irony agree. that they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, it's... Yes, yeah, so th- this film definitely came out of obscurity for me. There's no reason you would have heard of this show at all. Um, yeah, and I, I couldn't be happier. Um, but some, the songs, can we talk about the songs? How good they are? I think this is the first musical where I've loved every single song in the entire thing. Um, 3090, I think i mean it, it probably opens with the best song of the for me of the entire show and maybe that's because I'm, I'm a man that's just turned 30 also a writer um perhaps it hit a few notes for me but it's a great song it's so so catchy what i butchered in the opening to the to, <laughs> to the pod what can you oh. do <laughs> but, I, but i think you butchered it beautifully don't be thank silly thank you but for, when I so I saw this, um, I saw this in, in, um, at the cinema, and my immediate reaction was, "Garfield's got lungs; he can sing." Like that was such a surprise to me. I was like, "It's going to be a bit um, Russell Crowish, and perhaps we'll just have to muddle through." But he can sing; he is so good. Joe, you know that that's a really good comparison because obviously Russell Crowe. Lemes plays Inspector Javert. Yeah, Russell Crowe is a singer, like he has, he but he's a rock singer, and Javert did not suit his vocal range. I mean, it was it was a poor casting choice. Not that he can't act. For reference, see Gladiator. Yes, of but, course. Um, it was just it was a bad bad choice. So it's Russell Crowe Lemes is a great example of don't stunt cast. Mm-hmm. Totally. So. Andrew Garfield is playing Jonathan Larson. Like, no, 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 this could be a bit of stunt cut. Never mind. Never mind. He's great. This yeah. is the life. Bo, 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 bo. Yeah, great. So many good songs. Um, what was your favourite song of the film? For different reasons, I did like Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. I yeah. Thought, let's talk about Sunday. Okay, so, right. Once more, to my musical theatre nerds out there, you have exactly 10 seconds to stop listening if you don't want cameo spoilers. Tick, because I tick, have a page on tick, this. Tick, 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 and go. Okay, so I was watching it there because um, I was saying to you before, I watched this film in two sittings where I watched the first half stopped and then came back and watched it all the way through again. Mm. That is not like the damning review that it sounds like. It was, there were parts of this film where I was just like, ooh, I was not in the right headspace for this. No, uh-huh. no, 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 no. And to be fair, I didn't give you any warning either. I didn't give you any trigger warnings, which I probably should have done at the time. <laughs> no, sure. Listen, that's the risk you take with cinema. It's the yeah. risk you take with anything. So I was there watching, and I was there watching this scene going, I think it was the first, possibly the first reveal, I might have this order wrong, is Joel Grey, who is an Oscar winner. He won the Oscar for Supporting Actor for his role in Cabaret. We would have recognised him from Star Trek Voyager. He appears in the episode Resistance where Mm -hmm. he's the kind of in a mentally different state where he thinks Janeway's his daughter. Mm -hmm. I would also know him from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Ah, What are you doing here? Thinking to myself, what's what's Joel Grey up to these days? Um, Then the camera pans around and we see for example, Roger Bars is sitting there. He's an actor and a singer who would have worked with Larson back in the day. His voice to all of my Disney nerds out there, he sang Go the Distance in Hercules. <laughs> uh, it's just like, okay, 
Okay. This is a pattern. All right. Camera pans around again. Brian Stokes Mitchell sitting at the counter waiting for his <laughs> omelette that he wanted with no yolks in it. Yeah. Get over yourself. But anyway, he is a Tony Award winner for Kiss Me Kate. He was the voice of Jethro in The Prince of Egypt, which I listen to at least twice a week. And he also <laughs> played Sweeney Todd on stage as well. And I start to think maybe... <laughs> They're doing something here. Then and we get a little is, director cameo. They're like, oh, there's Lin-Manuel in, in the... In the kitchen. In the, in the kitchen. this is the diner it's... where Andrew Garfield works. Yeah, the Moondance Diner, yeah. which, that is a real play. I mean, no, I but I've seen so. that in films before. I think so. I don't know. I'm not educated enough about I, New York. I'm not sure if it's named this, but yeah. I'm fairly certain MJ works there in Spider-Man. Oh, that would be hilarious if she did. I, I think so. I might be wrong, but I think it so. It would make sense. Um, and then the bit where I flipped out was where, you know, he pans down the counter and Renee Elise Goldsbury and Philippa Sue, who are two of the three Schuyler sisters in Hamilton, are sitting there wearing the same colours as their yeah. characters in Hamilton. It's so good. And I was just like, oh God, I see what they're doing now. I see what they're doing now. So I was there panicking going, first of all, it's a great song anyway. Yes. The song itself is a tribute. It 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 is written by Larson. All of the music was written by mm-hmm. Jonathan Larson in this film. There's so you, you would kind of think like, oh, what was added for the film? Mm-hmm. Interpretations are certainly added for the yeah. film. But the music is all mm-hmm. Larson's. But particularly with this scene, which was originally written as a sort of a loving parody to Sunday in the Park with George, which is a Stephen Sondheim show. Uh who, which featured the actor Bernadette Peters, who is also in this film, in this scene, as another loving tribute. Mm. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda took his idea and went one further. <laughs> well, he went two further. So one is that he said, you know, the clout I now have in yeah. both Hollywood and Broadway, he assembled what he felt would be Larson's dream choir. That's to amazing. sing this song. Yeah. And apparently apparently there was a nightmare filming this thing with COVID regulations because this oh, was all bet. being filmed during lockdown. And these are, I mean, let's be honest, these are better people than you and me. I mean, these are people... <laughs> doing, they must be protected. <laughs> we cannot risk these people in any way. Um, but no, but apparently, yes, it was very difficult to shoot this scene I with bet. COVID. But what he also did as well is that he got uh, the orchestrator, Michael Starobin, to orchestrate the sound of this scene. Mm-hmm. Michael Starbin orchestrated Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, so he made amazing. it even more Sondheim <laughs> than Larson had made. That's incredible. Which I just thought was like, oh, hang on, that's That's cool. so funny. <laughs> just, just, I bit, so another another name that we would know, B.B. Uh, Newworth appears in this scene. We like uh, Generation before us would know her for Cheers and Frasier. We would know her for Star Trek. She's in the episode First Contact. Um, and we also have standing outside, which I thought was really cool, as credited as homeless bums. You have Adam Pascal, Daphne Ruben Vega, and Wilson Germain Haridia, excuse me if I've pronounced that incorrectly, who played Roger, Mimi, and Angel in the first <gasps> production of Rent. Oh, that's they- amazing. And also Adam Pascal and Wilson Germain Haridia, they both appeared in the movie version. As oh, that's brilliant. Characters. Adam Pascal, sorry, I'm monologuing now, but Adam Pascal recently appeared in a certain Marvel series where he was also singing on a Broadway stage. Oh, he was in I Can Do This All Day. I Can Do This All Day. Yes. Um, this is a theatre nerd's dream. This oh, it is. I didn't appreciate it. it. Yeah, so I didn't catch any of that because I don't recognise those people too see them but the person i watched it with did so on following watchings i've seen this film i think four times now um yeah i can appreciate it a lot more and it's a genius scene like and it's set against michael at michael that was weird no no not too weird johnny is worried about a friend that isn't michael that's currently in hospital and is wondering look why the hell am i at work in a cafe when my friend is in hospital my girlfriend is on the verge of leaving. I still have a song to write for my thing that's in tomorrow. Um, what the hell am I doing serving breakfast? 
and then it breaks into like everyone is having a go at him saying he's crap and no wonder he's only a, ra- a waiter and uh, then yeah breaks into the song and the reveal of everybody and it's such a fun fun scene set against it's a really tense moment in the film but then just gets broken up by this cholesterol <gasps> brunch <laughs> so so good it's a great I, film. Uh, yeah oh i i, I I love it. I love the scene. It's a great tribute. Uh, it's definitely my... So what it... Well, is is 39 to you say is your favourite song, yeah? Mm, yeah. It, that or the very, very last one, um, um, which has escaped me, and the name of it is Action Speak Louder Than Words. Oh. I was going to laugh. It was going to be like 3090 reprise. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, my no. favourite song is my favourite song. Is that end bit that... The, that Andrew Garfield hits when it's like louder, louder. He's so good. I love him so much. Um, one of those will be my favourite, definitely. What's? Do you know what? Which one yours is? Uh, definitely, definitely Sunday. Um, I just think it sort of nails it. But mm. I do love um, the song Vanessa Hudgens sings, Caressa. It's yeah. the one that's just been written minutes earlier. Uh huh. Um, I, I read right so there there is it's not it's not a challenge of the film by any means this film is it's based on a true story this is not a documentary by any means no. this is a fictionalized retelling and which larson <clears throat> himself fictionalized the telling of the story it wasn't yeah, just they say it at the beginning um it, this yeah everything you see here actually happened other than the bits that johnny made up which is oh it's so good for some reason that one line helps me enjoy it so much more because it just right? it excuses all of the creative license doesn't it um yeah, yeah i love it, it so much um, excuse me it, it does a bit so for example that the the delivery of that song wasn't quite i mean it's very cinematic yes that johnny they're walking in mate do you have the song do you oh have my, the song can you sight read what if the answer to that had been no <laughs> But arguably, now, I, I know enough about music to go, sight reading is hard. But also, like, she shouldn't have been in the room if she couldn't sight read. I will say that oh, to you. Oh, probably. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> but, so- laugh, but also, thank God the piano player can sight read. Well, for sure. I mean, I fully believe that sight reading is something you're born with or not. I cannot sight read at all. And there are some people that don't even need music. They can just hear it on the radio and be able to play it on the piano straight away. It's I, such it's such a, it's such a gift a I do gift. not have. Yeah, it is a gift that I think yeah, I don't I genuinely don't think you can learn it. Um but yeah, it is very 11th hour. So it, it's literally 12 hours before the show is being put on and they haven't rehearsed this number largely because it hasn't been written yet. And he goes there's a beautiful scene though where he goes swimming and the the uh too spoilery. Yeah, too spoilery. No, I no I, I, hang on. We're we're discussing spoilers. Jonathan Larson died. I yes, think after did. that yes. spoiler, it's a bit like... So he goes swimming and he gets some inspiration and the painting that's along like the bottom of the swimming pool, the, like just the pattern that's on the floor is conveniently like the bars of um, of a mu- of page of music and he sees the notes appear and then the song starts to form. He frantically goes home. He hasn't got any power left because he's not paying his bills, writes it all by hand and just hands it over to the Vanessa Hudgens, who's like, yeah, I can sing this without having ever sung it before. That's great. And yeah, it's very dramatic, very 11th hour. Um, but it's it's so, but it, it delivers such a good song. I forgive it all yeah. because that song is beautiful. Oh, oh, agreed. Sorry, I sounded so harsh. There. No, I was just, it's sometimes you can take reality add a bit of fantasy and everything comes out stronger for it and this is a scene like that yeah absolutely Um, yeah would steve rogers really have had time to say avengers (laughs) assemble before running at thanos i don't care it's badass as fuck (laughs) exactly that's a great example um in this scene there is so stephen sondheim is effectively the great you know he is the god to jonathan Mm -hmm. larson and yeah. throughout the whole film, he is the one who's encouraging. It's, it's his, his introduction is fantastic because the guy who's agreed to put on this product, put on the the showing, um, he's like, you know, you're missing a song, and Johnny's just like, no, I'm not. 
It's like, so in eight years, and all the people that have read this, no one has ever said that it's missing a song. And he's like, no. And then it cuts over to like, well, there was one person, and that one person is Stephen fucking Sondheim. Like, it's like, in, in fairness, <laughs> I've learned I've learned more about Sondheim since he passed than yes. I, I, I certainly, like, you can't be alive mm-hmm. and not have at least heard of yeah. Sondheim. I, I, I will no say that, right? No to anyone listening in Australia that hasn't heard of Stephen Sondheim. What is it with you in Australia today? It's the two... I'm goading them. I want them to email us. I want to talk uh, to our Australian listeners. Fair. Yeah, okay, fair, fair. I see I see where you're going. Uh, that character, sorry, Ira Weitzman, I think I pronounced that correctly, uh, he was added for the film. So he's a real-life person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, the, these conversations yeah, are real-life people. Uh, yes, but the character Ira Weitzman, as opposed to the actor's name I just said, you absolute splooge bucket, <laughs> was uh, <laughs> was added Manuel's interpretation yeah. of this. So, and I, I feel you need that because he is both, he's not so much a patron as he is sort of like a teacher, sort of a facilitator. He sees something in Johnny that, yeah. it's his pet project, kind of. Oh, actually, yeah, that's, that's a really good description. Yeah, Johnny doesn't Blue's really bucket. need a mentor, nor would he accept one. Unless that mentor's name is Stephen fucking Sondheim. True, And this yeah. is where we have a little bit of reality and fantasy. Mm. So the reality is, yes, Larson and Sondheim did not so much collaborate as they certainly did interact, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes, you know, like an interaction from your favourite author, your favourite playwright, that's enough. Yeah. And he did go to this performance but in real life he left after the first act oh fuck oh no so even if he loved it oh that's like oh Oh. no Sondheim walked out of my show yeah no I'm gonna go and I'm gonna I'm gonna drive trains or buses or some shit I'm gonna do literally anything other than write plays that is now, what the movie does is the movie suggests that their first interaction was at that um, the presentation, mm-hmm. yeah. Where sometimes says you're missing a, which is, you're, miss, you're missing entire, a song. That entire thing is hilarious with the one guy that's like slamming it, and then like, oh. and we've all met this person that changes their opinion to match the most influential person in the room. It's like, oh no, 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 we're saying the same thing. No, you're not. Now what? what yeah, Richard Kind, I love him as an actor because I love his voice because it's mm-hmm. so it's so nasally. Uh-huh. It plays this kind of weaselly character so well. I, I don't know if if anyone is listening watches Big Mouth. Uh, he's Andrew's father in Big Mouth. He appeared in both the Stargate movie and the Stargate TV series mm-hmm. as two he's different in characters. Friends? You know him, yeah, yeah. He's some like creepy he's, guy in Friends as well. That would make sense, yeah, because yeah. I'm sure the man is lovely, but yes, he can play creepy mm-hmm. very well. And yeah, he's just like a oh god. If Sondheim says jump, you're asking how high, and then saying, "Oh my god, I was about to say jump as well." You know, yeah. oh crazy how we <laughs> think the exact same. Mm-hmm. And apparently, apparently, he's kind of a stand-in for all of the negative press Correct. that yeah, Larson that was sense. getting, and Sondheim becomes this kind of angel. Now, in real life, they had met before this to the point where they, so this is set in 1990. Uh, Larson had been invited to observe rehearsals of Into the Woods in 1987. Oh, interesting. That's cool. So yeah, so apparently it all started with, because, now this could be me as a viewer, I might have missed when this scene is set, but their relationship started, Larson sent Sondheim a letter when he was in college, to which Sondheim replied. <clears throat> it was two years ago, because um, at the end right. of the scene, Johnny says, that one, um, the, compl- the whatever the line was, that it was perfect in, that the words were perfect or the play was perfect in the song was perfect in words and tone or something like that and so that was enough to fuel him for the next two years so this would have been nice okay so 88 uh, 88 sorry yeah grand okay so right so still right so love i love the scene so artistic license yes they had already met and interacted at this point Mm. but it's also while yeah the scene does present it as kind of their first interaction it doesn't out and out say it's their first interaction either it doesn't. It actually doesn't. No, it's just the first person who's told, and it was a shock that Stephen Sondheim was was there at this, mm. and everybody wanted to to show them his work, their work. Um, but 
yeah, they, they could have met before. But either way, it's a fantastic scene. It's a great introduction. And the, the way that comes around at the end of the film is fantastic as well. There it is. So I have another thing. What what, what are you referring to? Because I have another thing. Oh, that uh, he ends up phoning, uh, sometime ends up phoning Johnny when he's about to give up, basically, or is starting work on the next thing, but is looking at getting a proper job as well. Um, and kind of says, I'm interested. Let's talk. Let's get you produced. So that is absolutely what I was going to refer to. And that scene is an example of the same character being played by two different actors. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So Bradley Whitford plays Sondheim when he's on screen. Mm-hmm. Stephen fucking Sondheim plays Stephen Sondheim oh, in the vocal recording. That's amazing. He had asked to, he had asked basically to, he had seen a cut of the film mm. and uh, he had said, could we rework that a little bit? Could we could we kind of rewrite that? And they were like, we can, but Bradley Whitford is not available to redo that. Oh, and that's he was like, amazing. That's so good. So Stephen Sondheim plays himself and it's his last oh, performance before he died. It must have been so great for him to record that as if he was talking to Jonathan Larson as well. That must have felt amazing. Oh, I did not know yeah. that. That is incredible. Yeah, that is like, even that's I was so kind of cool. like, I, I know little about Stephen Sondheim. I know probably slightly more because of Tick, Tick, Boom about Larson. Mm. Don't particularly know either of these. Why am I blubbing yes. so hard <laughs> during this scene? And that scene, that got me. Uh-huh. So Michael's song makes me tear up for sure. Um, Johnny Can't Decide makes me tear up. Oh, blub. Um, and the what's the other one? Um... Yeah, the one that it doesn't make me tear up, but it is beautifully done, is the um, the song about relationships, um, which has just escaped me. It might just be called Marriage or something like that. Um, Let's get the track list up here now. Yeah, oh, come on. Therapy, sorry. So the song is called oh. um, Therapy, and it's beautifully done. So it's there's a big argument between Johnny and his girlfriend, um, uh, played by... Oh, yes, his girlfriend played by Alexandra Ship, who yes. we may know best as the Teenage Storm in the X-Men films, yeah. the kind of the the first-class mm-hmm. era X-Men exactly. films. She's been in other stuff as well, but that would be some of her biggest films. Mm. Yeah, she's, she's incredible in this. And they're, they're finally at the end of their, their tether, where she wants to pursue a job and just wants Johnny to say, hey, stay, I don't want you to go, which is bullshit, by the way. Like, if you want to stay, stay. Don't wait to be asked. But um, the way mm, the way that this is presented is so good. It's not just them singing at each other and getting frustrated. It's cut between the actual stage performance as well. So, and it's the bits that are on stage are, are it's almost more comical. You've got this really dramatic stuff that's actually the recreation of Johnny and his girlfriend, and then the bits that are on stage, which is almost like a, a comedy song about misunderstanding each other in relationships and being sorry for being sorry about the thing that you think you were offended by. And I'm sorry that I made you feel that way and I won't do it again. But it's just, it's so zany and funny. And it's just, it's such a nice break from a really melodramatic song um and just a great commentary on relationships as well and just how it usually comes down to misunderstanding susan's last line though is the absolute clincher that just makes the whole thing it's a it makes it a disaster for johnny yeah and it makes the scene perfect at the Mm. end when she pulls back from the hug and what does she ask him um uh were you yeah were you working out how to turn this into a song because they're hugging and he starts like kind of tapping piano keys and she's like you motherfucker you're turning this into a song which of course he does of course, it's like oh this is all i am to you i'm inspiration i'm not an actual person and which i think is harsh because i think he of how it's presented in front of us he loves her but this is his chance to make it and do the thing that he loves doing life is too I short think so. i think now whether this is real life or not i think the way it's presented that yes he has been a dreadful boyfriend he has oh been. yeah for you sure. know he's been very self-involved it's been and it's somewhat excused for this is the process when you're in the zone you can't pull back you're always 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 on and the, it, the film has susan walk into one of his rehearsals and sort of go you know 
tick tick Johnny I need a dis- I need a decision I need you to because they're they're discussing she might be taking on a job which would mean moving out of Manhattan which would mean he would have to at least physically move away from things like Broadway and yeah, you know, all the producers and everything it. yeah and when they have their big fight she says I knew you were never going to leave I just needed you to say that basically and he really struggles I I don't know if I, I I I I don't feel your I don't feel your antipathy uh, antipathy am I saying that right um, uh, to my that pissed off attitude I prefer your version I don't feel that I feel that the film and Alexandra ship they play her as so <clears throat> understanding to the point where her frustration is just I've given you everything will you give me something just tell me <sighs> you want me for me and that I'm not a means to an end I or I'm not just it. a placeholder. I get it, but have that as a conversation. It doesn't have to be this big blow-up argument. Um, but, but he wouldn't have the conversation. He kept blowing her off. Uh, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, that's fair, Same actually. There's a scene, he kept, there's a she scene kept between, saying, can we talk about it? Yeah. And then he does say, I must talk to her about this. And you kind of, because, I think because we hear him saying that, mm. it's a bit more like, oh, of course, well, he's thinking about it. So grand, grand. Yeah. He's not just. He's not just. But the thing is, and again, the film. I think which I think it does, which is very clever, is that you get plenty of Johnny saying, "I must, I must do mm. this, I must do this." Internally, and you get enough depictions exactly of him not doing yeah, it, not actually uh, telling her that. Yeah. No, that I get have, it. I get it. I, I still think it's manipulative if like that's the thing she was waiting for. Like, but yeah, he wasn't giving her the time of day either. Wasn't even giving Michael the time of day. But. It's it, that, mm. it's really it's brave because that exactly happens. I've done it. Like I'm not saying I'm Jonathan Larson, but we've all done it. We've all been so focused yeah. on this one thing, we neglect the people that are there for us. Um, yeah. That's it. I think there's everyone who's ever had someone special in their life has, to some extent, done this. Mm. And it's not a blaming thing. You don't always mean to do these things. Yeah. It just happens, and. It sometimes it then comes out in arguments and it comes out in this way, which is obviously not a healthy way of expressing mm-hmm. these feelings. But listen, since when have humans ever been 100% healthy in everything they do? Yeah, never. What's the biggest threat to mankind, Sean? Mankind. Mankind, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has a conversation with Michael, which is heartbreaking. Oh, um, and yeah. both Andrew Garfield and Robin Jesus. They, I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Are, well, you said it three different ways, so one of them will work. Uh, yeah, could you just edit the right one in? Thanks very much. Um, it's so well done because you have had there is without it without it being said, Johnny seems to treat Michael a little bit like I love you, you're my best friend, but you sold out oh, throughout oh, the whole film, yeah, and it's completely. never it's not not rude, but it, there's enough kind of like yeah, but yeah. you sold out. Look yeah, how you great my life is living in Bohemia while you have a mortgage, like, hey, essentially. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the many things said during fights are, I have every right to want these things. Yeah. I have every right to want Why to live comfortably. I want the car, the house, and exactly. disposable income. <laughs> and he says, now, in a way, this is as blunt as a brick to the face, but also, like, as an audience member, when he says, he kind of, and again... Uh, Robin just does this so well he builds and builds and builds and builds until he says with the time I've got left mm-hmm. and we all know what he's just said we yeah. all know what he's just said but Johnny doesn't no. because he's not listening and then he goes like, oh, what do you mean and Michael leaves just yeah. walks out of the scene next thing we see Michael the supporter friend turns up at the playwright uh, exhibition and he's like wild horses wouldn't keep me away they have this beautiful <laughs> it's thing beautiful. and then we see John, you know, things don't go the right way for Johnny after the the exhibition, and so mm-hmm. he kind of storms into Michael's office. And again, very, very selfish. It doesn't. The film doesn't hold back. Jonathan yeah. is being incredibly selfish in this scene. He walks in and says, "Give me a job. Give me a job. I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll apologize to whoever. I'll be this." And in this, it's revealed. Michael goes, "I'm HIV positive," and it completely stuns Jonathan, mm-hmm. who then says, "Why didn't you tell me sooner?" Cuts back. To Michael, who doesn't say a word, cuts back to Jonathan and says, you tried to tell me. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Oh. oh. Yeah, that self-realisation that you've been a bad friend is hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. No, it is. It's it's grim. I have slightly good news. So the character of Michael 
is based on the real-life person, Matt O'Grady, who the fantasy element is he wasn't an actor or a singer mm-hmm. in real life. He was Jonathan Larson's friend. He is very much still alive. Yay! Um, and was... He consulted on this film, so... Oh, that's awesome. While, yes, the diagnosis was positive, his outcome has been, for pardon the pun, positive as well. Yeah. He has survived. He is thriving, thank God. Um, because at the time where this film is set... A, a diagnosis was a death sentence. Yeah. Um, and he says he says something about this kind of a line of, I might get lucky, some people do. Oh, yeah. Tick, tick, and tick. He did. It's powerful. It's emotional. Oh, it's good things. Love this movie. It doesn't wallop you over the head either. Like no. you can, yeah, I was, I was saying this, I was blubbing watching it, but I didn't, I wasn't upset blubbing. I was mm. just really in it. Like it's not, yeah. uh, it's not a particularly heavy watch. No. You know, there are there are heavier watches out there. Yeah. And parts of Rent are heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, good Andrew to Garfield feel things. Had, it is absolutely good to feel things. Andrew Garfield had just come off starring in Angels in America when he was cast in this film. Mm. Angels in America, for uh, for those of you who, who don't know, is written by Tony Kushner. It is very much about the AIDS epidemic. Um, and Andrew Garfield plays a character who is... Uh, begins the play at end stage aids oh wow it's angels in america is heavy there is an absolutely phenomenal hbo miniseries starring the cream of the talent Mm -hmm. al pacino meryl streep emma thompson um uh, patrick wilson i just because i i didn't have a look at the cast before this but it's just like Who's not in this? Oh my god! Jeez. You know, it's one of those ones. Yeah, and it was incredible. He plays one of the lead characters, or played it on, uh, I believe it was Broadway, and then came to do this. So yeah, just Andrew Garfield. You know, he's great as Peter Parker. He's got an awful lot of range. A huge range. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I'm I'm now going to go through his back catalogue and watch pretty much everything he's done just to get catch up. Cool. Start with the Daleks in Manhattan. Dalek. What? The Daleks in Manhattan. I didn't Andrew was... Garfield is in that two-parter, really? season three of the revival of Doctor Who. Oh yeah. my goodness, I totally missed that. Uh, That's you, amazing. Now you'll go back and see a picture. Now he's obviously, he's whatever, younger. 10, nearly 15 years younger, but yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's great. Any th- any final thoughts? Um, this is brilliant. This is, it's both a musical for musical fans and for first-time musical viewers. Um, because the big set pieces, like the big, the MGM style musical, you only really get one, in my opinion, and that's Sunday. Yes. Where they go, all right, we've gone from... Break the fourth wall. Effect- yeah. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, <literally>. they do. <laughs> don't don't explain that because that's a great second. And But yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I will watch this again. Yeah. Um, And it's... As interesting behind the scenes as it was. Oh, for sure, as you'd expect. Uh, I hope he gets the Oscar. I really hope Andrew Garfield gets the Oscar, or or at least a nomination. Flipping it, seems likely that Will Smith will probably actually get it, but we'll see. I think so for King Richard. Yeah, for King Richard. I don't begrudge him that. It's a great performance, but um, man, yeah, Andrew Garfield. Oof, he's my boy. Um, yeah, so that's it. I hope that's if you haven't watched Tick Tick Boom, I hope that convinces you to to watch it. I know it's not a film for everybody, but um, it's it is a joy. I love it. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. And what are we doing next week? Um, we we haven't we decided. Will, we will start to do better about picking films in and advance. Doing it at the end of the episode. I have. I have to check a date on something, but uh-huh. we'll, yeah, we'll 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 let you know on Twitter. Oh, so there will, we'll that, let you know. Okay, you heard it here first. There will be an episode next week. Um, <laughs> we've just got to decide what the hell it is. There we go. Yes, right. exactly. Love you all. See you soon. Goodbye. Much love. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our latest episode of the podcast. If you want to stay in touch and stay up to date with us, you can catch us over on Twitter at English Irish GTM. Ian, if people want to reach out to you and find out who slash where slash what you are, where do they find you? If you want to touch me, it's at Witsin. That's W-H-I-T-T-S-I-N-N-E-D. I was fortunate enough to touch this man during the year. Gross. Speaking of plugs, uh, you can catch me at Sean Ferrick on Twitter as well. Uh, you're all awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.